Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Hey, thank you, Andy. And uh, I'm sure that wasn't my finest moment when I asked him to preach on Mother's Day. Uh, but I've had a few of those in my life, not fine moments, like when the Lord said to me, would you like hair or brains? And you can tell what I chose. And when he said that to Andy, you can tell what he chose. He deserved that, right? Come on, son. But um, hey, I'm really excited about sharing with you. I've titled the message, Choose to be Thankful. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses, verse 18. I'm going to read verse 16 and 17 because they're so short and they also really fit well with this verse of Scripture. So uh, while you're finding it, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please stand and, for the reading of God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and I'll pick it up with 16, then we'll have 18 on the screen here for you. But it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in every situation, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we just pray today that as we share in this moment and this message, that your spirit will truly be our teacher, he will be our encourager, he will help us to kind of understand what it means to be thankful in all circumstances. And so we're just grateful and just pray that you will just speak to our hearts and help us on our life journey, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, this week, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving Day. Matter of fact, we're going to pause as a nation. We'll pause as families. We're going to eat a lot of turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and pumpkin, warm pumpkin pie with Cool Whip on top. And I'm not trying to make you hungry, just thankful. And so... But it's a wonderful occasion. When I think about the Apostle Paul, though, he realized that uh, the spirit of Thanksgiving isn't a one-time event during a year that we pause and we become thankful. Matter of fact, he says this is what he wants for all of us. He wants all of us to have a spirit of thankfulness in all circumstances and in every situation. Well, when I think about the Apostle Paul and all that he went through, I think he has the right to say those kind of things because he found himself in challenging situations. Paul, as it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said this, I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. And when he wrote that, I thought, why would anyone in their right mind write something like that, that you would want to know Jesus in the fellowship of his suffering? Why would you want to go through trials and tribulations and heartache and suffering just so that you could be transformed to be more like Christ? I often say this, I want to be like Jesus, but I don't like the process. I don't want to go through the transformation process of God transforming me to be more and more like him each and every day. And so Paul says here to us, I I want you to be thankful in all circumstances in every situation of your life. I wish Paul would have wrote something like this. I want you to be thankful 
for some situations in your life because I think I could have signed up for that. Or he would have said to us, I want you to be thankful for most situations in your life. And I think I've matured along the pathway of the Christian life to be able to say, man, I can be thankful for most things in my life. But Paul didn't stop there and he didn't give us any wiggle room. We couldn't option in or opt out when it comes to thankfulness. He says, I want you to be thankful in every situation for your life. Now, Paul was this high-capacity thinker. I mean, he had the ability to enlarge the heart that no matter what he was going through, he could look through the, the shadows of darkness and he could see the light. He could, right in the midst of the storm, see that silver lining. He just believed that no matter what, God would work through that and God would do something to glorify himself and to extend his kingdom. And so when I think about the Apostle Paul, I think, my goodness, I'm not Paul, and I would say most of you would say, you're not Paul either, and we find ourselves really struggling when it comes to this verse of Scripture that we would be thankful in every situation of our life. Well, matter of fact, this week, I mentioned Thursday is Thanksgiving, and for some of you, that might be a really difficult time as we kind of move into the holiday season. And the reason for that is because you've lost loved ones, you've gone through really difficult things, and so there's kind of pain involved when you think about the holidays, and sometimes there's disappointment and de depression, discouragement, you're going through that kind of feeling as well. And so I just realized this, that I come to the conclusion that life is a package deal. In other words, every one of us, our life is like this big package. And so if I would bring out this package and set it here and open it up, I would realize that inside this package deal of life, there is happiness and joy and peace and purpose and fulfillment and Everything that you and I would want to be part of life. I mean, there's marriage and children and grandchildren and celebration. And we just love that part. And if we could just stop right there with that part of life, if we could option into that only, I think most of us probably would. But life is a complete package. It's a complete deal. And so the other part of life is this, that in life, Jesus says, there's trouble and there's tears and sorrow and grief and death. And somehow you and I would say, I want this part of the life, but I don't really want this part. I would like to option out of that. But one of the things we need to understand is when it comes to happiness, joy, peace, and all the good things that God has in store for us, that is heaven, my friend. That is not earth, and that is not what we're experiencing here. The package deal for life is that it all comes together. There is peace and joy and happiness, but also there is pain and sorrow and death and grief, and you and I have to understand that's what life is. And we also know the end of the story. That's the beautiful thing about being Christians. We know the end of the story. We know what comes into our life. In that package deal, every one of us is going to die. You can check it out if you want to, but the last time I checked, the death rate, it was still hovering right at 100%. I mean, it's going to claim every single one of us. But behind that door of death is Jesus. And Jesus says, even though you die, yet shall you live. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, even though he dies, yet he shall live, right? And so when we think about the promise of God, we realize that Right here in this package life, there's happiness and joy and incredible blessing, but there are also tears and sorrow and grief, and there is death. Behind death's door, there is Jesus. 
and there is hope everlasting. And so we know the end of the story. And when somehow Paul is trying to say to us, you've got to keep your eyes on the end of the story. You have to keep looking up. You have to believe the truth of God's word and what God is wanting to do in and through your life. Well, most of us, we choose life. And the reason because, because we know that there is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so we choose life. But in choosing life and the package deal, it has pain in it. And so I know pain and you know pain. We have all know pain. Matter of fact, I can say this. I know pain and you know pain. I don't know your pain and you really don't know my pain. And when you really don't know the extent of my pain and I really don't know the extent of your pain. But we all know pain. We all know pain. And so what the Apostle Paul is trying to say to us is this. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of losses, in the midst of sorrow and grief, I want you to step into the sea of life and I want you to let God part that sea and I want you to stand there in the spirit of thankfulness and believe that somehow God will get you through and get you over and help you to be victorious. And so I would like to share with you this morning a little bit about how I've chosen to be thankful in every situation of our life and kind of tell you a little bit of that story. Well, over the last 40 years or so, one of the things I've done just to help me in my own life to be more thankful is I've done a prayer journal. I don't even know how many prayer journals I actually have, but I have a lot of them. And so through those years, I would write prayer requests, I would write answers to prayer. I would write praise notes. I would write prayers of thanksgiving. And what it did for me was it helped me to understand that a spirit of thanksgiving isn't a day that we celebrate, even though that's kind of fun and enjoyable. It is a daily life where you and I are being thankful for every situation that we're kind of going through. And then allowing God to work in and through those situations to glorify himself and also to continue to transform us to be like his son, Jesus Christ, right? And so... All those years I've been writing in those journals and it's helped me to understand that. So let me ask you this question. Are you a thankful person? In other words, on a scale of like one to 10, with 10 being thankful in everything and all circumstances like the Apostle Paul, or one not so thankful, where would you say you kind of line up on that scale? I would say that most of us would probably say something like this. I'm a little bit above average. I'm kind of maybe a six on that scale. I can be thankful for most things in my life. Or maybe some of you would say, no, I think maybe I'm a seven on the scale of thankfulness. I, I have a high capacity to be thankful for the things around me and for what God is doing. But I would say that most of us probably wouldn't say, I'm a 10. And matter of fact, I'm thankful for everything in my life and all circumstances. I would be able to be thankful to God for those. And the reason why I would say most of us wouldn't line up with Paul is because most of us don't know what all circumstances look like. Not all of us understand what everything would look like in our lives. And so we would say, man, I'm not really sure how I would go through this or that and how I would come out on the other end being a thankful person. Well, this last year, maybe some of you have gone through some really difficult things. Maybe you've lost your job. 
Maybe you're losing your health. Maybe you've lost your marriage. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And matter of fact, some of you may have lost all of those things this year. And you're really struggling with that. Well, one of the things that I began to understand is this, that when we go through pain and difficulty, part of life's struggle, all of a sudden, man, we can be shaken to our very core, not only the core of our very being, but also the very core of our faith. And so we have to keep looking up and keep trusting God and what he's actually doing in and through our life. Well, This prayer journal here that I have this morning is one that I've been writing in over the last couple years. It has mostly to do with the Hope Center. And uh, inside this prayer journal, there is incredible miracles and wonders, uh, miraculous things that uh, I can't even share with you all of them. They're written, written in this book, but one day this prayer journal will be a book and I think we need to get it into a book so people can read the the miracles of God the wonder of God the all of God that God is real and powerful and God is able to answer prayer and work and do all kinds of those kind of moments and so someday in the future we're going to put this into a book so everybody can actually read all the incredible promises of God so I've written in here prayer requests and praise notes and prayers of thanks Thanksgiving, and in here are those moments where God has shown so much love and faithfulness and kindness that it's absolutely overwhelming. But also in this journal is the worst day of my life, May 31st. Because see, life is a package deal. We would like to option into the happiness and joy and peace and all of those things, but we don't really want to experience or option into those moments of incredible loss or pain in our life. Well, in 2015, David came into our room and he said to Tanya and me, he said, hey, Dad, He said, uh, God just spoke to me and I'm supposed to help you do whatever you're gonna do with the Hope Center or plant churches or whatever you're doing as you kind of step aside from community church. He said, I'm in, I'm willing to take the risk and my faith is with you and we're gonna do something for the kingdom of God. And I just remember that night, Tanya and I, I mean, we could remember that like it was yesterday. It was one of the greatest days of our life. When all of a sudden our son was so serious that he was willing to just step out and be free and trust God and he believed we could move the kingdom of God and we would ramsack hell and rescue others and bring people into the kingdom and he was all in and all about what we were going to do. And so then we were able to, believe it or not, just find a 26-acre campus a half a mile down the road from here, which is miraculous in itself, and then we ended up getting started there. And God began to put all those pieces together, and it kind of unfolds through these different pages here of how God was working and orchestrating and bringing it all together for his own glory. And then last September in 2018, uh, Dave said to me, he said, hey, Dad, I'm having some heart palpitations. I think I'll have it checked out. And so uh, he ends up going to the doctor and finds out that he has a heart defect that he had from birth. And even through all of athletics and everything that he'd done, we actually didn't find that. And so uh, they said, hey, you're 27 years old, and so um, just we'll keep an eye on it. And we were pretty confident that everything was good there. And so uh, then he went back to the doctor in January, and they said, hey, uh, Dave, you're 
your valve's not closing quite properly and you're having a little backfilling here. We probably need to think about uh, replacing this valve in the future. And so we said, okay. And really, honestly, we were thinking the sooner the better. Let's get that valve in there and get him uh, nursed back to health. And so we scheduled him then for open heart surgery on May 17th of 2019. And so he went in. We were there that morning. I mean, it was like uh, there was a complete peace there at the hospital for all of us who were praying and believing that God was going to be working on his behalf and through him. I mean, the surgery was only about three and a half hours, which I would say that's pretty miraculous in its own light when you're doing open heart surgery, replacing a valve like that. And so uh, finally the surgeon came out and he just said, man, the surgery went absolutely perfect. And so we were elated and we just rejoiced. Well, Dave got to come home from the hospital and uh, he was 14 days post-op. That uh, evening, he'd actually come down to his office. He uh, lived in the apartment there at the Hope Center, him and his wife, Stephanie. And so he had come downstairs for just a few minutes as he was getting his feet back under him and getting back into the swing of things, went into his office, spent some time, uh, and then um, made his way back up to the center. And then um, this is my prayer journal for May 31st. 2019, 2.20 a.m., just received a call that David had suffered complications from heart surgery and died. You see, life is a package deal. We don't get just to rejoice in those incredible moments when we're just really happy and elated and filled with incredible joy and somehow opt out of the other side of life. But I want you to know something. When we got that phone call that morning, if my life was a vessel, a glass vessel, and if you would have held my life in your hands and if you would have been standing on concrete and you would have taken that vessel with all your might and just threw it and, sh and shattered it on that concrete into a thousand different pieces that's kind of how I felt that day I stood in the midst of brokenness the Bible says sometimes we're crushed in spirit it was on Friday that Dave went home to be with the Lord and Saturday morning I woke up with a word just coming to my mind, despair. Despair. And so I thought, I really don't know how to define that for you. I could have looked it up in Webster's, I guess, and I could have give you a good definition of what it means to despair. But I can tell you this, I know what it feels like. You don't have to define that when you know what it feels like. And so when I woke up and that word was just there and it was coming to me, despair, despair. And I, I just remembered thinking about the Apostle Paul and something he wrote about his life, how he despaired of life itself. And I thought, oh, yeah. And so I turned in my Bible and I looked it up. And uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11 
And we're not really sure exactly what this moment was in Paul's life. He's going to share with us about this moment. He says, I don't you to be unaware of this moment that I had in my life, but he doesn't go into great detail about this moment. And undoubtedly, he was with someone. There was a colleague with him. And Bible scholars believe that what happened was that Paul and his colleague, whoever that may have been, was basically thrown to the wild animals, which was probably to the lions. And so he became a lion's meal. And so this is what Paul wrote here. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. I just remember reading that that morning, and I just, I just despaired of life itself. I, I just want you to know that the Nolans, we, we are so human and we're just like you. And I just despaired of life itself. And then Paul goes on to say this. But this happened to us, he said. So that we would not rely upon ourselves, but upon God who raises the dead. But Wow. So we've gone through this so that we wouldn't somehow rely upon our own selves, but we would actually get to the point where we would believe what we believe, that we believe that God is the God of the dead, that he raises them and they are alive. And so Paul says, we just got beyond that to the point where we trusted in the God who raises the dead. And matter of fact, some scholars believe that Paul was dead and God raised him up, that he was killed by those lions or whatever. He said, we despaired of life itself to the point where we could not depend upon ourselves. We had to trust in God who raises the dead. Remember, after we um, did day celebration service here at the church um, that evening and I was headed home and it was a great evening of just incredible comfort and peace and, and really just uh, celebrating and just thinking about the life that David had lived. He had lived well, ran well, finished well, and we were able to celebrate that wonderfully. And so on the way home, though, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, tomorrow at the graveside, I want you to just say, hey, family, anybody would like to be baptized? And... That thought kind of came to me, and I kind of shook it off, right? I thought, I don't know, that's probably not something you should say at the graveside. I don't know about that one. But anyway, we went home that morning. and So 12 years ago, uh, my daughter Rachel and her husband Brandon um, found out that they were having a stillborn little girl, and they named her Rhea. And so um, they said, hey, uh, Dad, would you be willing to um, do something at the graveside for her? And I said, absolutely, be glad to put something together and... So I was thinking about that, and uh, I was going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. And um, in the process of that, I thought, no, I'm going to try to read that from the message just to see how that sounded. And I really liked it from the message. And so this is the way the message sounds in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. He says, we're squinting in a fog. We're peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines, and then we will see it as clearly as God sees it. I thought, man, that's pretty good. I, I like that. I, I think I'll share that at the graveside. And so we end up at the graveside that morning. And when we show up, it is so foggy, you can't believe it. 
I mean, it's almost eerie foggy. It's like this incredible living illustration of God saying, not only did you pick the right scripture, but this is what you're living. So just listen to this again. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun begins to shine brightly. And then we will see it as clearly as God sees it. And man, I was just standing there reading that scripture and we're all just kind of looking around like this God moment of God's comfort and peace to us as a family. And then on the day for Dave's graveside, uh, I wake up and I look out and it's really foggy. And I think, wow, kind of a Rhea kind of morning here for us. As a matter of fact, I had a friend say that he was actually watching TV that day, and they said, there's a little patch of fog down here by Morristown. That's the only patch there is here in the state. And so when Brandon came over that morning, I just said to Brandon, I said, hey, Brandon, it's kind of a Rhea kind of morning, isn't it? And he said, that's exactly what I said to Rachel this morning. And so Stephanie was at our home, and so I told Stephanie, David's wife, I said, hey, uh, 12 years ago, I just read this passage of Scripture, and it meant so much to us because when we went to the graveyard, I mean, it was foggy, and we were standing there living out this moment, and finally we were saying to ourselves, then we will see it as clearly as God sees it. A day's coming when the sun will shine again. And so she went out and she sat on the front porch in the swing and watched that sun rise and begin to burn off that fog. When we went to the graveside that morning then, Tanya's brother, who's a pastor, also was doing the graveside. He spoke for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so, and then he closed in prayer. And when he closed in prayer, none, no one moved. No one in the chairs, no one behind us. We just all sat there quietly, no one moving. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, get up. I thought, okay. So I stood up and I just said, hey guys, I just... Um, was thinking, I just wonder if we would put a baptismal service together if any of you guys would like to make a public confession of faith in Christ today. And so, um, man, some hands started going up, and I said, okay, uh, let us plan it. We will communicate that to you and let you know when we're going to try to do a family baptism. And um, so we began to make some preparations on that. But as I kind of walked this journey, I realized that I had to take the next step when it came to David's life and when it came to the pathway of healing. And so um, the next step for me was I had to go back to the Hope Center. And for three and a half years, Dave and I prayed together, dreamed together, rejoiced together. Dave was kind of my coworker, but he was also the co-founder. And um, matter of fact, when I was dreaming about slowing down sometime, wherever that happens, right? There's no retirement in the Bible. But when I slow down a little bit, I was thinking that, you know, Dave's my succession plan. I mean, I was so proud of his leadership gifts and 
the development of that, his maturity, and just where God was taking him and, and what God was doing in his life. He was kind of my disciple, and I was kind of pouring my life into him, and I loved it. And I loved it when he challenged me to, in faith and trust, you know, I'm, I would say, Dave, I'm 60, you're 27 or 28, right? And, uh, but I loved it in those moments. Um, Dave was my coworker. He um, was a co-founder. Um, he was my disciple. He was my only son. And he was my best friend. And so now I wake up on a Saturday morning and I've got to go to the Hope Center. And I've got to face a few giants there. And I've got to work through just all the feelings I've got kind of going on on the inside of me. And so one of the things that Dave enjoyed was he enjoyed putting on some t-shirts for the boutique. And so we have a couple of those that he enjoyed wearing. <clears throat> one of them was Giant Slayer. And he loved that. I mean, his name was David, right? So he just believed that he was a giant slayer. Um, I tell the story about when he was in Sunday school. He said, he, he told his teacher he killed Goliath with a strawberry. I used to think it was a marshmallow, but Tanya said, no, it was a strawberry. So I, I'm pretty sure she's probably right about that. But that was kind of his faith. He didn't even need a slingshot and a, and a few stones. He would just kill him with a strawberry, I guess. So, But he loved that T-shirt about Giant Slayer. He loved the other one, Faith Moves Mountains, bro. And, um, and he was just a mountain kind of a mover. And he just wanted to slay a few giants in life. And he wanted to rescue some people who had fallen on some really difficult times in life. And he just believed that he was the one that God could raise up to do that. And um, so he would say stuff like this to me. I would be praying, God, open a door. Set before us an open door. And Dave would say, Dad, don't pray for an open door. Pray that God will make a door where there is no door. And I thought, wow, okay. I just want that door to open. I mean, there's already a door there. He's wanting a door where there's no door. And so I'm just really enjoying that kind of faith and moment, right? And um, so I realized, man, I, I've got to make it back there and so I'm driving to the Hope Center that first morning back, realizing that his office is right beside mine. I've got to pass his office before I get to my office. And so I'm driving to the Hope Center, and I'm talking to the Lord, and I say, Lord, man, I've got to slay a couple giants today, and I need to move a couple mountains And so I need all the grace I can get. I, I need all the help I can get. I just need you to... Slay a giant and move a mountain, and I'm going, and I'm just doing all I can to take the next step, because that's what you have to do in life, right? So one of the things we've done as a family is we've been doing grief share, and in grief share, we realize this, that sometimes all you can do is the next thing, take the next step. And so what that means is this, if you're going through a really difficult time, then you have to do the next thing. What is the next thing? Well, the next thing may be getting out of bed. The next thing may be getting in the shower. The next thing may be getting dressed. The next thing may be fixing breakfast. The next thing may be paying a couple bills. I don't know what the next thing is for you, but it's kind of like it's one day at a time. I know it sounds kind of uh, Sunday school, 
but it's really true. You just gotta do the next thing. And so I just had to do the next thing, drive to the Hope Center and face it. And so I remember walking down the hallway that day toward David's office and feeling the tug, the, the anxiety, just the overwhelming feeling of despair that I still felt in my own heart. And so I just said something like this. I don't know if Dave heard me or not, but I said, hey, Dave, man, I've got to face the giant today. And I need a little faith to move a mountain. So I made it past his door. That was a miracle. And got past his door and I opened my door to my office and, and uh, went in. And on the floor was an envelope. Someone had just kind of slid an envelope underneath my door. And so I took the envelope and I went over and sat down on my chair. And, uh, Dave Love moments where God would show himself in whatever way. You know, answers to prayer, uh, miracles, wonders. He just loved it. And he would say this to me. Dad, God always wants to reveal himself. He wants to show his glory, even if it's just a glimpse, even if it's just a little bit. Just let God be God. Let him be a mighty God. Let him show off a little bit. And he loved that. He would always say, God just loves showing off at the Hope Center. And so I went over and sat down in that chair, and I opened up the envelope. And inside the envelope was a check for $50,000. I could just hear David say to me, Dad. God just loves showing off. Just stay the course. Just keep the faith, keep the vision. Just do what we dream to do and make it happen. Well, that was the first day. And every day got a little bit easier. But there's still days that the Nolans get overwhelmed with grief and the waves of grief will wash over us. But God is helping by the grace of God, by the, by the prayers of his people. Each day, he's helping us. Keep looking up. Keep trusting. Keep believing in what God is doing. And so on July 4th then of this year, uh, we had our first baptismal service. Matter of fact, uh, one of the things we realized is it was probably going to be larger than just one baptismal service. We began to split the families up. And so we did uh, Tanya's family on July 4th. And so her mom and dad, the age of 85, got baptized, her brother and his wife. And we had a nephew that drove all the way from Florida just to make a public confession of his faith through water baptism. And so we actually baptized 17 people that day. And uh, it was an incredible celebration. And I just remember as we were thinking about that moment, just how grateful we were for what God was doing in the lives of our family. And then after we did this baptism, there were some family uh, friends, that we should say, in the Morristown community. And so we kind of began to plan some kind of baptism down there. And, and uh, Rachel had reached out to one of the um, young men that played with David on the basketball team when he was a reserve basketball coach at Morristown. And he was just there for the one year before we started the Hope Center. And so she had reached out and he said, absolutely, I would love to be baptized. And so um, we planned a baptism in August at the Morristown uh, area there. And we baptized him, his dad, and five members of the high school girls basketball team. And so we baptized 12 there. And it was an incredible day as we just saw how God was continually touching lives and changing lives. And then on September 7th, we did the Nolan family baptism at my house. 
And uh, so my brother at the age of 72, his wife, his daughter, his granddaughter, my mom at the age of 92, uh, even though she had given her life to Christ, she wanted to be baptized that morning. Neat story about my mom. So we baptized her there in the pool. She's 92. She's just a little frail thing. So I'm holding on to her, right? She looks over at me and she says, let me go. <laughs> and so what does, a saint, what does a son say to a 90-year-old woman? Your mom, you let her go. And she looks at me and she says, I'm swimming back to the ladder. And so she swam back to the ladder in the pool. And uh, I just remember walking her home that day. She just lives across the yard from us and just talking about how glorious of a moment that was for her. And so over the last several months, we baptized about 50 people, all of Tanya's family. <clears throat> So all of Tanya's families come to Christ, all of my families come to Christ, and we would say this, it's 43 years of prayer. We've been praying that they would experience the incredible joy and goodness of God that we have and they have, and we still have people wanting us to baptize them even today, and so I keep hearing that, and so we're going to just keep baptizing people because they're coming to trust in Christ, and so just remember this, life is a package deal. We wish that we could say, I only want the really good part and not so much the other stuff. But even in the other stuff is when victory comes. In the most difficult things of our life, it seems that God uses those moments to do some of the greatest work. And so I know Dave would say this to us today. Hey, Dad, all of our family coming to Christ, oh my, it's worth it. Just stay the course, preach the gospel. Win the lost dad, make an eternal difference. And if you do, it was all worth it, every bit of it. And so the victory's ours, but we have to keep looking up and we have to keep trusting in him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for just what you do in our lives. Even though at days they're really bad and difficult and nothing that any of us would ever choose but even in the midst of that sorrow and grief, we have this incredible promise that you are the resurrection and the life. And through you, we can keep our eyes looking up and forward and with a sense of peace and joy because we know that you are there and that you care. So God, thank you for what you're gonna do. Help us to walk in that victory. Help us to walk and wade into that moment where we have the ocean that parts before us and that we get to stand there in a spirit of thankfulness like the Apostle Paul. Thank you, God, that we will not shrink back from the giants of life or the mountains, but we will see the victory. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.